0: and we're live thank you for coming back for yet another episode and if you've judged by the title it's another dragon award nominee but first the introduction hey all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the blasters and blades podcast just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. The podcast where Doc puts the fun in dysfunction. So, without further ado, we are going to introduce the topic, which is the Dragon Award. It is so a fan-voted.
1: A little bit. Just for what's the record. that? You're projecting a little bit, just for the record.
0: That's that's just what we do. You know, it's called style and pizzazz. You wouldn't know anything about that.
1: I have more pizzazz in my big toe.
0: Maybe, maybe. But uh, the Dragon Awards are a fan voted award that recognizes outstanding achievement in science fiction and fantasy literature, comics, gaming, and filmed entertainment, which are given out annually at the Dragon Convention in Atlanta, Georgia. The award has been going strong since 2016. And uh, it is a of fans, by fans, for fans award. So anybody can vote, no memberships required, no fees, just an email address. Uh, There are currently 15 categories up for uh, consideration. Some of them more important than others. Doc, all 15, go, you're on the spot.
1: Okay, fine, I can do this. Best science fiction novel, best fantasy, including paranormal, because fantasy is the best. Best young adult and slash middle grade novel, best military science fiction or fantasy novel, another another wonderful category, best alternate history novel, best media tie-in novel, best horror novel, best comic book, Best graphic novel because they are different, despite what JR the illiterate thinks. <laughs> science fiction or fantasy TV series. Best science fiction or fantasy movie. Best science fiction or fantasy PC slash console game. So that would include like my wonderful Switch. JR doesn't game, so he doesn't count on this one. Best fantasy, best science fiction or fantasy mobile game. Best science fiction or fantasy board game. <clears throat> Dragon Alchemy, Flamecraft—that's the best board game. Best science fiction or fantasy miniatures, collectible card game, card or role-playing game. Cjr, I even is able to annotate the list for you.
0: Hey, Um, uh, Doc, I used to be a gamer until I took an arrow to the knee.
1: Jr, your pathetic mating skills are not role-playing games.
0: Uh, Dang it. Now they tell me, Jeff, your your parents are counselors. You were supposed to warn me about this stuff. <sighs> All right, some friend he was. All right, so uh, <laughs> Terry, can you uh, introduce yourself to the uh, to the audience? You are obviously one of the nominees, and if they're looking at the screen, they can see that you wrote with uh, Jeff J and Janie, but they might not know who you are.
2: Hi, yeah, uh, well, have- yeah, I'm Terry Maggard. I've written. I, I had written for a few years before Jeff and I. Uh, sort of came into each other's orbits. Uh, We were brought together by a mutual friend. Um, I'd written 12 or 15 novels and some short pieces and I've been with variant publications now for four and a half years. Um, And things are obviously going incredibly well. I'm originally from Florida and I currently live near Nashville. Um, And thus far, this has absolutely been the best year that I've had in nine years as a published author.
0: that is a good thing that it's your best year so who introduced you faust is it faust that introduced you
2: <laughs> we had jeff and i got we, we a, a mutual friend of ours named jen long who's a dental hygienist from sisters oregon actually read jeff's books liked him loved his books read mine said you kind of write like him and a phone call later i'll let jeff tell the rest of it but it was a real brief sort of process. Um, but Jen Long is the catalyst for this entire partnership.
0: Cool. Well, shout out to Jen. Cause this is an awesome story. All right, Jeff, well, not to, uh, to be outdone. Can you introduce yourself to our listening and viewing audience?
3: Yeah, my name's Jay and Cheney. Um, I've been writing now professionally for about eight years, uh, published in 2014, <clears throat> the same year I got out of the air force. And, uh, You know, I've been writing since I was 15, Uh, went to school for it, uh, joined the Air Force, got a master's in it. And then finally, you know, decided to stop slacking off and actually pursue it professionally, Um, started varying publications. A few years later, um, started recruiting other writers to work with, mostly uh, because people wanted more content in the, uh, the shared universe I was building. And now, of course, most of what we do is, um, you know, outside of that, we barely ever put out any new renegade star stuff, although we do have one series coming out soon. Terry and I met, I think he was the first co writer I brought on. Uh, I actually went looking for uh, talented underappreciated authors who know were really good but just hadn't had that break yet and so i contacted a few readers of mine who i knew uh read you know basically like a book a day and jennifer long was one of those people and she sent me four names i went and i looked i looked all of them up and i read the first few chapters of each of their books one person had only written one book terry had written several and I liked Terry's writing the best. It seemed the most compatible with my own. And I reached out to him and said I wanted to uh, try working on a project together under a pen name at the time. So we started working on that together. We had some success with it. Eventually, I brought him over to work on the Messenger series. And we've been working together ever since.
1: Which I love the Messenger series, just for the record. And um, my son last summer went to camp with somebody who his mom went and bought him like the first four or five because it was the first time she'd ever heard of a character having the same name as her son. And her, her son was like, I don't like my name. It's weird. Loved it. Total switch in the kid's mindset. Even though he was a little young for reading the books, he absolutely loved it because his name was cool now.
3: Oh, that's cool.
0: So, Jeff, I'm going to put you on the spot, all right? Do you have a favorite Terry?
3: A favorite Terry?
1: There are several, and you work with a couple.
3: I do. (laughs) I do work with a couple. I will say, yes, I do have a favorite Terry uh, (laughs) named Terry McGinnis. you guys know who Terry McGinnis is?
1: (laughs) No. No, but it should be Maggard. No,
3: no. See, I can't pick a writer because that would be playing favorites. So I'm going to say Terry McGinnis, uh, who – those uh, from my generation and background will recognize as uh, Batman from Batman Beyond.
1: Oh, yes. I forgot that that was oh. his last name. Yeah. I did love Batman Beyond. It's it's a great one. I wish they'd do more with that character.
3: Oh, same here. And uh, my second favorite, Terry, would probably be Terry uh, from my first series, The Variant Saga. The main character... <laughs>
0: Poor Maggard, he, he didn't make the cut.
3: Oh, he didn't make the cut. Yeah, he didn't make the cut. Uh, but, you know, I can't I can't say uh, openly, like, you know, who, who my favorite is uh, out of the people I know personally because that would be playing favorites, and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings.
0: Okay, okay. Mixon's right, definitely
2: die. nicer than me. He's a pleasant guy. He's a, he's a peach to be around, I'll say that. Yeah.
1: You're a peach to be around, so I don't dope dissing yourself either, dear.
3: I was just talking to Chris Kennedy today, because we had a book come out today, um, Fangs Out, which is the third in the Uplink Squadron series, and I was talking to him about Terry, and I said, uh, you know, Terry could, uh, he's got the charisma, he could pull off being a game show host.
1: He could. <laughs> he, he very much could. And the,
3: the, only Man, because, the only reason I think that is because the only reason I think that's because I was recently watching this uh, this YouTuber with my wife, and uh, they go back and watch like you know old game shows that only lasted like a season or whatever. They make fun of them, and the host for that show they interviewed him, and I mean he's the spitting image of Terry. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: are gonna have to send that us that show. link off off record.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I was, I, we were both, cause my, you know, my wife and I, we, uh, we love Terry and we often talk about how he has like this bright smile. He lights up a room, you know? Yeah. Definitely game show host material right there.
1: It and is very hard not to awesome smile yeah. at Terry and he uses it to his advantage. It's very adorable. Yeah. If
2: you just said that I light up a room, that means according to what I know about serial killers, I'm good. I'm as good as dead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, this is this is true so but uh but you could be my favorite too uh Maggart, if you just killed me a few times in literature i want to be the joe buckley of my generation <laughs> all right doc before i go too far afield next question is yours don't worry
1: you've earned your reason to be killed jr so i hope so obviously we're talking about the 2022 nominee list so We weren't able to get all of the nominees, but we got some of the best, and definitely Terry and Chaney count as that. Can you introduce yourselves a bit to our listeners? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I totally spaced out. I was busy making fun of JR. And let's talk about uh, The Backyard chip, the title you're nominated for, since you guys did introduce yourselves. I'm sorry. Have I said I haven't gotten a lot of sleep this week? You have. Because it's true.
0: So before they introduce it, can I play the commercial they were kind enough to make for us?
1: Oh, that makes my job so much easier. Please do. All
2: right. I I couldn't hear. Van,
3: I know this is hard for you to accept or even believe, but you're not imagining this. You're not going crazy. Your grandfather believed right down to the core of his being in protecting those who couldn't protect themselves. You expect me to believe that my grandfather was a star-faring soldier? I can
2: prove it to you.
3: And how are you going to do that?
2: By taking you for a flight.
3: Never you're ready, Van.
0: All right. First, can we just say I want to fly that ship? That looked awesome.
1: You can't fly anything. You're not allowed to. You're going to like hurt yourself.
0: Probably, but so, wow. What's the like? How did you come up with that video? Because I've never seen it where they actually made a video like that.
1: I have what to is, admit, that's my favorite book commercial ever.
0: Yeah, mine too.
1: Yeah,
3: that was made by the uh, the audio publishers. So Terry and I went back and forth. They outsourced that to another studio. Uh, but he and I went back and forth with that studio directly on um, you know how it should play out i had I had a very specific vision in mind for this trailer uh, that I that I wanted to see uh, made real and of course it's very expensive to make this stuff you know I think that trailer costs like ten to fifteen thousand dollars and um, which,
1: must love you
3: It's just crazy you know the 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 cost. these videos and so we were really lucky to get that made um but i was like you know if we're gonna do this you know we're gonna do it right and i had this uh this image in my mind of like going out in the barn finding the ship and then blasting off and as you hit the stratosphere uh and you you enter space uh this music kicks in and then it's just like you know it accelerates into space that whole visual uh, had stuck with me, and so I pushed and pushed and pushed so we could get that made, and it actually happened, so it was a nice surprise.
0: So, Terry, would you let Jeff fly that plane, or would you be the one in the cockpit? Can you hear us, Terry?
2: I can, I, I'm oh. having technical issues, I can barely hear everything's in and out. I'm not sure,
1: Terry, um, would okay. you let your partner? fly the plane? Or would you fly the plane?
2: Oh, I'd let him well, I based on me being 18 years older, and having really uh, late middle aged eyesight, I'd probably put Jeff in the in the chair. (laughs) (laughs) uh, And I had LASIK 22 years ago, but it didn't it didn't stick around. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'll be the weapons officer but uh, Cheney's in the chair. We're gonna that's only because he called himself old. Okay. I called myself old. <laughs> no, I, I know you did. Yeah. But that's that's also one of the reasons why our, our books work is because there's a generational gap between us in the sense that, you know, Jeff, we both love classic sci-fi and everything, but Jeff brings a wealth of knowledge about gaming that, you know, like my knowledge of gaming starts like with Pong and Atari, you know, and I look at gaming from somebody that came about, you know, I was a child in the seventies and Jeff really cut his teeth on modern gaming and so between the two of us we have this venn diagram where everything overlaps in this story in particular in backyard very much
0: okay yeah Um,
3: yeah it's actually it's actually interesting i uh didn't actually start reading science fiction until i was about 18. and uh but i wrote my first sci-fi story at 15. and in my household uh, there was much more of an emphasis on uh you know christian literature so i read like pilgrim's progress the wine the witch in the wardrobe stuff like that um but man when i and i i didn't really enjoy reading um uh, i enjoyed writing but i didn't enjoy reading and when i found uh sci-fi a friend let me borrow uh the first halo book i think it was oh man i was God, You
1: are so young
3: yeah And I was was really hooked after that because he said, if you like this book, because I know you like the Halo video game, uh, you should go read Ender's Game. And that was sort of like my first foray into sci-fi from a literary perspective. But before that, I played a lot of sci-fi video games and uh, and RPGs, like old JRPGs from the PlayStation, Super Nintendo era. So Xenogears, um, Lunar, games like that, Final Fantasy. And they sort of fused in like fantasy and sci-fi tropes um you know but that's that's sort of more my background and of course like star trek star wars you know tv shows and movies different things but uh i think i approached this career early on a little bit differently than you know most other sci-fi writers who were reading Heinlein and asimov when they were kids i didn't really have access to that stuff so when terry and i talk about the messenger i'm like oh you know mecca japanese anime like um gundam and you know <clears throat> big o and stuff like that and then he comes into it from you know books and series from the 1950s and 60s and the same thing with backyard starship it's like you know there's uh flight of the navigator old movies like that from the 80s um and of course, both of us, our first, our first story we ever wrote independently, obviously of each other, and I think 15 years apart, was a was a story like backyard where the character finds a spaceship nearby near their house. Uh, I think mine was uh, it was the first story I wrote when I was 15. It was about me and my friends discovering a spaceship. So you know, coming into it from different generations and even like just entirely different entertainment mediums, and yet discovering all of this crossover, uh, you know, story-wise, I think that combination, that marriage of ideas was pretty essential in developing not just Backyard Starship, but the Messenger, Starcaster, everything that we've done together so far. And most of what I do, uh, you know, independently of Terry, in fact, uh, draws a lot of inspiration and influence from multiple kinds of mediums, not just books
2: okay so that's that's the same for me too because of our jeff mentioned gundam and i didn't like i knew a little bit about gundam but one thing i said i i brought jet jaguar and ultraman were sort of my inspiration so i was already you know i was 25 years in in the past with my origin material and i had no idea and then jeff showed me gundam and i was tangentially aware of it but i thought wow this is where. It's, it's where it went. And then I, you know, I discovered Gurren Lagann and things like that. And I was like, oh, okay, this is how big it is and how roamy the universe is. And it's just, it's worked out really well. Yeah. What were you going to say, JR?
0: I was going to ask you what the uh, the sales pitch or the elevator pitch for this series would be. If someone hasn't read it yet and they say, I want to give this a shot before I vote, what, w- what would you sell them as the pitch for this this book?
3: relatable guy from the Midwest, um, somebody you'd probably know in real life, if it isn't you, um, inherits a piece of property from his grandfather to discover that his grandfather had uh, bigger secrets than he let on, and that all the stories that he was told as a child from his grandfather are actually all true. Stories of space princesses and um, intergalactic adventures.
0: So, is this set in the modern timeline, or is this in the future enough where everyone knows about sp- we're in space?
3: This is present day, so okay. picture yeah. it happening like right now.
0: Okay. So, do you cover the origin of how he his grandfather got the spaceship? Obviously, no spoilers, but do you yeah, explain that?
3: We actually do. We have a uh, we have a duology, I guess you call it, of short stories um, called Backyard Starship Origins. Uh, two short stories that follow the—they uh, tell the origin of his grandfather's adventures and how he became a peacemaker, which is what um, is what we call that job title in this universe of uh, sort of a, a galactic cop, as it were, or um, you know a, a peacemaker.
0: Okay. The. Um... Is this series, like, is this going to be a long-going series? Is this one that you've got a defined scope for? What what can readers expect?
3: We currently have a plan for 25 novels and um, several short stories that will tell various origins for different characters. I think right now we've got four short stories written, uh, two of which are released officially on Amazon together, and two more to come soon. Um, We've also got sh- the short stories narrated. So the first two, which are about his grandfather, are narrated by Ray Porter. Those are available on our website, variantsci fi audio.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I believe at least one or both of the other short stories are already on that website, some of which are free. And uh, yeah, I mean, we just, we have, we have big plans for this universe. Um, But the main series itself, you can expect 25 books. Wow.
0: So we will link to the, uh, the short story collection and obviously book one um, in the show notes. So if this intrigues you, dear listener, uh, you can either. I got to ask,
1: did you originally set out to 25 books or is it just, you went, it could go. And then people loved it so much. You're like, okay, like let's actually figure out what we're going and where we're doing it.
3: So anytime that I, I work on a new series, this applies to every co-writer I work with and uh, including my own solo stuff. Um, we have a larger, we, we, we start with one arc. And for some authors, that's three books for others like Terry, they think more long-term. So it's like six to nine books. And, um, And then we have a longer potential story that we develop ahead of time so with this series in particular going into it i knew it would do well i didn't expect it to do this well but i assumed we would at least do 15 books and so terry and i worked out a plan uh for at least 15 with the potential of going to 25. And once the first book came out and we saw how hungry people were for content, how how much they liked and connected with this character and the story, we decided to go ahead with the 25 novels and uh, mapped out uh, the general plot ahead of time. I did the same thing with Renegade Star. So that ended up being 16 books. And I developed a plan for four arcs. and that ended up working out pretty well. So ever since then that's that's how I map series out. It's like I had the first 6 books, that first search for earth arc, which you know the three of us have talked about on a on a different show. And then once that, you know, once the first couple of books came out, I saw that people were really interested in the story and that they were hoping for more. I was like, "Okay, now I can take this to the the full scope that I had originally hoped for." and planned for as a as a potential you know but if people didn't connect with it then i could have cut it short to just six books
0: so you give yourself a natural ending if it doesn't do as well that doesn't leave the readers that like to hanging i like that sometimes you get series that if you really liked and even if it didn't really sell and they just sort of leave you with no ending that's the worst
3: yeah the reason i do it like this is because if i don't if you just plan it book to book or if you just say okay I'm going to do three books that's going to be my plan going into this and you don't plan ahead for more as a backup then let's say that the first one comes out it blows up on the charts it becomes a massive success you get to the end of it you get to the end of those three books or even just the end of the first book and you haven't planned out the next thing now you're scrambling trying to figure out where the story is going to go even though you already gave it it's natural conclusion i see that happening all the time with writers and you can tell that readers got to the end, the, the natural end the, like, that had like real finality to it. And they were like, yeah, I, I feel satisfied with that. I'm done. You know, and they, a lot of them walk away because you've tied up all the threads. You've tied up the entire story of that universe. And now it just feels tacked on and unnecessary. I mean, <clears throat> if you go, for example, and you read the Old Man's War, Old Man, Old Man's War series, or the Ender's Game series, you can kind of tell, and I love both of those books, you can tell that at certain points, the author just didn't expect to have to write more, you know, especially yeah. war. <clears throat> and it, it,
1: it's hard for an author to just be like, okay, because it, it's time, it's done, it it has its place. And um, I mean, it's hard as a fan. There's a couple series I'm like, but... But let, let's continue this when I'm also like, uh, it doesn't really fit. So Terry I will can s- probably vouch for that. We've had that discussion about um, some classics.
0: So I will say one thing about uh, about variant. Um, is It is variant, right? I haven't been saying that wrong. It's not like Valiant.
1: No, it's Valiant. variant.
0: Yeah. Okay, I was right. One I of the like things I like about. You.
1: Fair.
0: Hush, Doc. Be nice. Behave. Uh, one of the things I do like the way you write is you write escapism without like trying to force modern day issues at everybody. So you know, left, right, or center, you know, everybody except for those heathens that put pineapple on pizza can enjoy your stories.
1: Hey, uh, I put pineapple on my pizza, and I love his stories.
0: <laughs> but uh, but you, you you leave the the modern world to to the normies, and you just have fun. And I really like that. And the world needs more of that. So Yeah,
3: let me just say, uh, address both of those facts, you know, both of those points. Uh, the pineapple on the pizza thing. I saw a meme the other day that said uh, the only reason that you all hate pineapple on pizza is because the internet told you to and you're just following them off. I do think there's some truth to that. Uh, it's the same thing with bacon. I see a lot of people are like bacon is life and you have like bacon soap now. And I'm like, man, I don't really like bacon that much. Um, I don't think most people really do. I think it's just okay. and uh, the hype culture around it and, you know, <clears> really <throat> made that, you know, like accelerate more than it should have. My wife loves pineapple on a pizza. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I like your wife. gorgeous. She has good taste.
0: I don't um I don't know. I, I've tried pineapple on pizza. It just wasn't for me, and I really do love bacon. Bacon is a unique food, and it hits all seven of your unique taste receptors in your mouth. Which is why people oh, are so.
1: They are. You don't have to explain why bacon is glorious.
0: I'm just saying, I think there's reason there's hype. All I'm, I'm would you leave it at that? But, Doc, all right, we get to start asking the fun dragon questions that you wrote out for us. So. What
3: was the other um, thing that you said? Oh, it was about variance, right? You asked about variance. Yeah, I
0: said you guys write like escapism that just as you know, it's just fun. You don't have yeah. to uh, worry about modern issues. You can just have fun, so unless me, it's so- modern issues that relate to the story.
3: So let me address that really quickly because I think that's an important distinction. Um, when I got into this business and uh, and I decided to be a writer professionally, one of the things that um, yeah, this is before the divisive, like the hyper divisive politics that we've experienced in the last you know six to twelve years or whatever. You know, just back when I was in my early twenties, I uh, I decided that when I became a writer, I would not insert my own beliefs and political leanings into my writing. And then after I became, you know, after I got published and, you know, I started putting books out, I, uh, I started working with other writers and I would always ask them, like, you know, I really strive to be apolitical and I don't care what you, what politics you have. I don't care if you're right-leaning or left-leaning or a centrist or non-political at all just like you know keep it so that anyone can read this and enjoy it the whole philosophy behind that is that no matter who you are what your background is we all live very stressful lives we all live busy lives and at the end of the day you know we're we're here to write escapism for anybody you know if you like science fiction you know whether you are a far-left liberal or a far-right conservative or somewhere in between and you just want to read about you know people in space having fun and going on adventures like that's what we're here for. And you know, as someone who's ex-military, and uh, you know, spent a lot of time around conservatives, grew up in the South, and now lives in a big liberal city, I've got friends across the spectrum. And you know, at the end of the day, one thing that I, one commonality I've noticed is that you know everybody has you know for the most part uh their own struggles and uh they all have a reason to dive into entertainment and when you make something like entertainment divisive and preachy and political that's the fastest way to lose people so that's just something i've always tried to avoid
0: so terry is that was that your philosophy too i you know do you normally tone that down on your own writing as well or did you have to adjust to write with jeff
2: No, I, no, I didn't have to. Also the other thing we, Jeff and I had a, we had a really good conversation about the characters that we write. Like I'll be real candid. I Magnum PI is my favorite TV show. And it's very difficult not to like Thomas Sullivan Magnum because he, me personally, he embodies the qualities that I want to put in my characters because I admire those qualities, loyalty, friendship, honor, things like that. Now when you take him and like Jeff, has strengths and I have strengths. And one of my tools that I bring with my kit is humorous dialogue. And there's a lot to be said for humor in science fiction. Uh, it, it is very often lacking. And and there's nothing funnier than somebody being uh, like a, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court, set kind of that man out of time trope. And like one of our most popular characters is a four-armed blue quasi simian who hates wearing pants and loves cheese. And she loves complaining all the time. And her hilarity wouldn't be possible if I did some kind of a strident trope with her. And I think that liking these characters that you can admire makes it easier for me to write characters who are, I don't know if they're apolitical because they certainly take a stand in the sense that they're honorable Um, and they're good friends. So uh, they certainly embody things that I have enjoyed or looked up to my entire life. And um, I don't think that that's going to change. And our success certainly seems to reflect that we've struck a note with a a broad audience.
0: Uh, I would concur. All right, Doc, you get to move us right along. We're going to pretend you didn't fall asleep, and get to the next question. I mean, that's what you want us to think, right?
1: You know what? Be nice to me because after in next month, when I've slept. It's going to be on like Donkey Kong for you. And you're going to wonder what happened.
0: Possibly, possibly. All right. (laughs) I'll be nice.
1: What was your first reaction in hearing that you guys were nominated? And how will uh, your friends and family keep you grounded (laughs) in case you get a small head?
2: May I address this before Jeff says anything? Because this is a (laughs) cultural issue. (laughs) Okay. This goes back. So I'm... I have a family and children and Jeff texted me at 3:38 a.m. my time to let me know and I was I'll let Jeff talk about how exciting everything was but we part of the reason our partnership works is because neither of us necessarily have a concept of time. Even though he's out in Vegas and I'm near Nashville and we have 2 hours difference but I got notified by Jeff at 3.30. I looked at the timestamp 3:38 a.m. was when the information dropped
0: Okay, so sleep. Who needs sleep?
1: Terry Correct. obviously doesn't.
3: Terry's a fiend, man. That guy gets like four or five hours of sleep a night. I, don't know, how I know.
1: I've seen him at cons, and it's exhausting.
3: There's th- there's definitely something uh, messed up in his head. I don't. I don't really <laughs>
1: know. but you know he's great the way he is. So how did? So you found out? Did you scream? Did you wake up your child?
3: Well, I don't have a child.
1: No, no, uh, when Terry told when when Terry got the message did he scream? Uh,
2: oh no. Uh, no, I didn't I didn't I didn't yell. I only yell during the daytime. That's a little tradition. Uh, but no, Jeff, <laughs> I and I actually haven't had a conversation with Jeff yet about. We've been so busy. I haven't gotten to talk to have a we talk every other day and but we haven't had a conversation about how he felt initially. So this is news to me. So
1: how did you react when you got the message? jeff
3: oh me um yeah. well i was I, honestly pretty surprised because uh we actually submitted backyard for uh best sci-fi book not best military sci-fi book so i don't know how that happened um you know either your people, fans
1: went astray
3: yeah i guess it, it was either that or uh or somebody behind the scenes decided we fit better in that category i don't so- know
1: I do know because having talked with some of the people who uh, do some of the categorizing, what they what they will do sometimes is if fans kind of scatter around because you know they didn't get the memo that you're pushing it for best sci-fi, mm-hmm. um, they may nominate it more in one category. So what they'll do is they'll go, okay, well it got kind of nominated in two but the majority of it got nominated in this category. So let's move everything here. Oh, gotcha. Just so that, because, and, and why does DragonCon do this? Because the DragonCon team understands that fandom is like hurting ADHD hyperactive cats.
3: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, I could definitely appreciate that. I assumed something like that was happening uh, because when I pushed it, like I said, we pushed it for the other one. But it makes sense.
1: Uh, Your so, fans just didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah. uh,
3: I'm more, I'm super I'm super thankful for it though. Uh, obviously, you know, just to get the nomination is incredible. This is the second year uh, that we've had something up for uh, for this specific award for military sci-fi. Last year was sentenced to war, so to have it two years in a row is incredible. Hopefully, we'll win this time. But there, there is some stiff competition, even more so than last year. So we'll have to keep our fingers crossed. We are against, you know, guys like David Weber. Um, oh, I forget the other. Uh, there's like two I, other. I know uh,
1: Weber. Weber wins very well.
3: Yeah. So when you're up against these guys that have been doing this for decades, and they have that name recognition, it is very difficult. Not to mention. The fact that they are published by billion-dollar companies, with a lot of mo- you know obviously a lot of reach and money behind them, uh, but we're trying our best and we're trying to get the word out. And uh, you know, I think we stand a decent chance. If we can win, I am gonna I am gonna buy myself a steak dinner, a very <laughs> expensive steak dinner.
0: Uh, and Terry, you can have uh, whatever your wife lets you have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do all the cooking. So, so it's down
0: to me. Well, that's at least encouraging for you. So what do you think this uh, nominated? Well, you've been nominated before. Terry, is this your first nomination?
2: It's my first. Yeah.
0: Okay. So what does this mean to you uh, as an author to be nominated like this?
2: I mean, it's confirmation. Well, first of all, from a cultural standpoint, Dragon Con is to me because I know this might sound silly, but you know, and McCaffrey, I, if if Anne McCaffrey's books don't exist, we're not having this conversation, because it made she made me want to be a writer, and she more or less I don't know transported me from Thank the you. age of six on, you know. So so Anne McCaffrey dragons been a theme of my life for forty five years or forty seven years, and then Dragon Con is you know the the people's convention in the sense that it celebrates so many things. Like I I go to Dragon Con. Because I want to see things I haven't seen before. Like, I'm like, wow, I'm judging a cosplay thing this year and stuff like that. So this is the fans talking back to us, which means everything to me. Because Jeff and I have a real powerful sense of uh, fan service in that we, you know, I consider myself absolutely dipped and lucky to do what I do for a living. I love this. I mean, I love it. I burn for it. I want it. And I used to be a roofer, so believe me. I know what it's like to to work hard. I know what this is like to feel this kind of success, and this is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle for me.
0: Yeah, I've done the roofing thing too. It sucks, especially in the (laughs) hot heat of the South.
2: I would not recommend
0: zero stars. That's how I paid for college. So I I feel you, sir. This definitely – the writer's game definitely beats climbing on those roofs. So – Um, have you guys ever attended the dragon con
3: only once last year i won't be there this year but terry will be
1: okay
0: so what is it uh...
1: can i say this one because this is really cool so terry is going to be our judge for page to stage and he's in the open which is probably a really good thing but cheney has somebody cosplaying one of his characters in our invitational division
2: yeah. Oh, uh, right. right.
1: I just had to point that out cuz I'm really that excited awesome. about it. So,
3: yeah, my uh my art director and I co-wrote a series a while back called uh, Soul Arbiter, which is more of a cyberpunk um, military space opera series and uh, very heavy Blade Runner influence. Uh so I was I was a bit surprised when that one came up as a potential Uh, cosplay. But, you know, the artist, uh, who was also the writer, was over the moon thrilled about it. So he was able to design some really cool costumes based on the books.
1: Oh, yeah. And by the way, the guy who's doing it, he happens to be a vet as well. He's an Army Special Forces NCO.
3: Oh, super cool.
1: So, yeah, no, it's kind of how wild how some of that works. But we're going to get back to our regularly scheduled questions. (laughs) So... So Go ahead, Doc. What are you guys most excited about with the convention? Obviously, uh, Cheney's just going to say what he was—he's was missing out on the most. Well, I think for what both
3: you- of us, it's definitely—I mean, I don't want to speak for Terry, but <clears throat> presumably the award. I mean, that's—it's uh, unexpected for me, uh, especially twice in twice in a row. Um, but yeah you don't really get because we're independently published, you don't really get nominated that that often for these you know types of awards. I think we were, we've gotten a couple audio award nominations um, but in terms of just the book itself, uh, this is the second time and uh, I've only ever been nominated at the Dragons. So when it happens it's rare, but it's very exciting.
0: Okay. What about you, Terry?
2: this is confirmation that we're telling great stories the the award the i want to be at the i love dragon con i love everything about it it was almost sensory overload the first time i went but the peak will be the awards this year for the simple fact that i think it confirms that jeff and i work hard and listen to people and try and tell the absolute best story that we can and we're bringing about five decades of sci-fi and fantasy passion to this narrative. And I, I checked this morning, Backyard Starship, the series has 37,000 reviews.
1: And oh, if you'd have
2: told me a few years ago that I would write something and Jeff, and that the two of us would collaborate to create something that was that popular, I, I would have thought it was a fever dream. And now we get to be up against people that I professionally admire and, and, have, and their books are on my shelf. So it's absolutely, the award is the, the highlight for me.
0: So yeah. what panels, since you are attending, Terry, what panels are you most excited to participate in?
2: I can tell you the first one. Uh, first of all, I lo- they're all really good, but I'm on the Pern panel this year. And for me, who's been an Ann McCaffrey fan since I was in second grade, this is just, it's, it's surreal. I mean, it's just surreal to get to sit and talk about something that is arguably one of the longstanding relationships in my life is with Ann's work. So that, the Pern panel for me is the one that I'm, I'm looking forward to them all because they're all curated so beautifully, but that one is in a weird way the culmination of my fandom as an adult.
0: So, uh, Jeff, since you're not going to be there, so this is hypothetical for you, but if you were able to go, is there any kind of topic you'd like to sit on a panel as a guest for?
3: Oh, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um just to be able to talk about the future of the publishing industry would be nice um the future of sci-fi specifically uh yeah i mean i think maybe sci-fi young adult i uh i have a lot to say about that but yeah i mean i just i would i would feel really honored to be able to sit and just talk about the genre itself um And where I think it's gonna go in the future.
0: Now, that's an idea for a a fireside chat doc. Scribble that down. (laughs)
1: Um, JR, you need to read your ASL better. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Ask
0: the next question before I cry into my blanket.
1: Uh, (laughs) You'll survive. Don't worry, JR. One day you too can be an author. Sorry. Wait, what?
0: Oh, Um, ouch. That hurt.
1: So, so, what do you think of um, the categories? Do you think they should expand the categories? Where do you see see them adding in? JR has his own opinion. It's wrong.
3: Uh, space opera category. I okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, can you can you list off the uh, this uh, the book categories real quick for me? So
1: for oh, the book
0: categories you got sci-fi is...
1: novel, fantasy novel, YA slash middle grades, military SF or fantasy novel, alternate history novel, media tie-in novel, horror novel, graphic novel, comic book. Yeah. I really oh. think we should have a anthology series.
3: Yeah, that would be good. Um, I think best short form fiction would be good. So like a yes. short story. Um,
1: I just think it would be easier to take campaign for an entire anthology than one short story but that could be because i don't always get all the short stories read
3: yeah i mean about once a year or so there's there's always like one stuff like just published on its own individual short story that really takes off and does surprisingly well with people um so maybe there's not enough to justify an entire category, but I do think an anthology or even a short story, some kind of category that caters to that like short fiction would be really interesting. Space opera. Uh, when you guys interviewed me last year with brazy, I said this, um, I, I really think we need a distinction for space opera, uh, right next to military sci-fi, but, I don't see it happening anytime soon because I think that they view like I, I think that the, the Dragon Awards views the general sci fi category as maybe that. But I mean, then you also have like techno thrillers and, you know, well, modern like some of it is so much
1: space opera happens to be military like Terry Mixon's and stuff like that. So right. it's definitely space opera or on our Harrington, very space opera, but there is such a strong mill SF emphasis.
3: Right. I think that um, I think that is largely true. However, Backyard Starship isn't really that military. I mean, it is somewhat military sci-fi, but it's not, I think it would classify better as space opera. Uh, same thing with like Renegade Star, you know, um, various series like that, the fifth column, Soul Arbiter. But there is some crossover, so I can see why they haven't done it. And I don't really expect them to ever get to that point. I do think they need a lit RPG category. uh, Oh, every
1: lit RPG person who's ever heard it is now voting for you just because you said that.
3: (laughs) I would would love to see that. I think lit RPG, I've written some lit RPG. We actually have a series called King's League. Uh, Book four comes out in a couple of weeks. Well...
1: I keep telling everybody Jay Boyce should be considered the mother of lit RPG. Al Kong so
3: might have something to say about that.
1: <laughs> um, that's his problem.
3: Yeah. Um,
1: so, but I, I, she's done a tremendous job of making people honestly care about lit RPG. Oh yeah. If well, that there's makes a couple of sense.
3: there's a couple of people like that who have really gone a long way to progress that genre, including um, Dakota Kraut. and oh, wow. uh, you know several more uh is now a big name in that although he's writing more progression fantasy anyway not to not to derail this conversation too much but yeah lit rpg 100 it's unique enough i think it needs its own category
1: well it does have its own uh code according to the uh library of congress
0: there you go nice so i would say i
1: might know a few things about it i've been
2: There's, I, I was going to say one of the things about lit RPG is, I mean, if you you have to give it some credit because it's actually a 40 year old genre in the sense that Joel Rosenberg's Guardians of the Flame back in the mid 80s really kicked it off. Like for me, when I talk about origin points for that genre, and I love lit RPG, um, you know, D&D, I cut my teeth playing D&D and from 80 on. And one of the things that like when Jeff introduced me to modern lit RPG, I was like, oh, I've seen this before. And it was called Joel Rosenberg and it was the Guardians of the Flame and I loved it. Um, and I think that there's certainly enough history there that it should have some kind of recognition of its own.
0: So in addition to the short fiction, which I advocate for every year, cause I love short stories. That's where I started reading the Reader's Digest synopsis of stories that were basically just short stories as a kid. I also think they something to recognize the cover art cause oh my goodness, the cover art that's coming out these days keeps getting better and better. I I think the quality of the book art, I mean, those artists deserve some credit, too.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and and I know this isn't part of the question. Um, There is one thing that I I think I might change about the voting procedure,
0: Mm.
3: if if you guys are interested. Um, Sure. Just as a casual observation, I don't think most people who vote have read all of the things you know, up for vote, even, even one thing in some of the categories. So they just randomly select stuff, which might skew the voting. So it might be better in the future. I mean, I don't know how much control Cisco has over this, but it might be better to just give an option to just not vote on a certain category.
0: I actually had categories I didn't vote in because I hadn't read any of them. So I just didn't click any button. So you can already do that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I think I didn't know that. I think that making that more obvious in the voting might actually, uh, you know, help things along. Because when I send this to people, they send me they send me back the the ballot sheet and they're like, I haven't read anything but yours. I'm like, oh, my God.
0: Fair, fair. Uh, that would be more just a messaging rather than a functionality thing. Yeah, so obviously. So. Go ahead.
3: No, I was going to say, I think that's probably what it is.
0: So obviously you would uh, vote for your own books because that's the smart thing to do and you two are, are smart individuals. But what other uh, books, games, or properties on the uh, the list this year were you particularly taken up. by?
2: Oof, man, let me look up the ballot. <laughs> I have two I have two of them.
1: Okay, Terry.
2: Two, two of them that are really easy. Number one, Dune, easy peasy. Dune. Okay. Dennis Villanova, uh his his version, and I'm, a, and I'm a Jodorowsky snob a little bit, you know, like I, that's my history goes to Um I really was transported by, I thought, thought it was absolute, absolutely superb visual, gave me everything that I wanted from the story. And the other thing is, I'm a defender of the, uh, for the, and one of the reasons why these, I know it's, I know what the expanse is, but the concept of, of finding hard sci-fi with a with political thriller, and making it there's not a lot of hand wavium and you've got um you've got a lot of people that feel very three-dimensional to me there and also I real I can't act but I appreciate they cast great actors right down the line even in small roles on that show and I just remember watching it and thinking okay this is attention to detail that everybody else could learn from so those two for me absolutely jump out.
0: Okay. And what about you, Cheney? Have you uh, had a chance to scan the list real quick?
3: Yeah, I would say Immortal X-Men is uh, pretty good. It's coming off the back of uh, House of X and Sword of X and all that stuff. Really good X-Men run by Grant Morrison. And uh, I think that's who wrote it. Uh, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Grant Morrison. But very, very good. Uh, really rebooted. Well, not rebooted, but reimagined a lot of the X-Men lore and modernized it. Uh, with uh, Krakoa, the island of Krakoa, anything like that. I don't know how many, how many people that listen to this uh, actually read X-Men, but it's gotten pretty good. Uh, Saga by Brian K. Vaughn. For those who don't know who that is, Brian K. Vaughn is the guy who wrote um, Why the Last Man, an exceptional graphic novel uh, about the last man on earth and, uh, and his monkey ampersand, who uh, is also a male. Uh, the two of them are the last two males of any species left alive on the planet. Uh, so it's just a planet full of women and female animals. Uh, very cool story. But that's what propelled him to fame. And now he's got Saga, which is a sci-fi space opera series uh, that starts off as like a Romeo and Juliet story between uh, two aliens, uh, man and a woman of different species. One is a prisoner and one is a um, a guard in this prison and they fall in love the girl gets pregnant and they go on the run and the baby basically almost becomes like a space Jesus type figure but uh both sides are after them very cool story uh my wife read it she cried um very cool I highly recommend that as for uh, best TV show I mean Stranger Worlds is really good it really brings us back to old school Star Trek finally I was not a fan (laughs) of Picard, was not a fan of Discovery, but I really like Strange New Worlds. Um, Pike is a great captain. The actor that plays him is really spot on. The Boys is fantastic. Stranger Things, still pretty good. Uh, Probably the best season since season one. Um, You know, best science fiction movie. Dune by far wins that. I don't think anyone else stands a chance. If Spider-Man wins, it's just nostalgia. I mean, it's a really good movie, but it's just, Dune is, is for me, the best thing this year. Uh, Science fiction and fantasy video games. uh, Elden Ring probably takes that. You know, that's like a critical darling right now. And then, um, yeah, I think that's probably the, yeah, that's probably everything I feel comfortable personally with stating my opinion
0: on okay that's fair that's fair and so terry since you did mention dune um we got peer pressured by um kevin j anderson to doing our next book review as of dune so we're gonna rope you into that because reasons (laughs) you just volunteered (laughs) yourself but uh all right so if you guys uh, are so lucky as to win this award this year what are your plans to celebrate your success (laughs)
2: <laughs> I've got plans, <laughs> Uh So
3: you're, you're asking if we win the award, how are we going to celebrate? Yeah, absolutely. Steak dinner, uh, go to Disney yeah. World.
0: I don't know. What, what are you going to
3: do? Yeah, I mean, you know, I people ask me this kind of thing all the time with book releases and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to – I'm going to go write some more <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i'll probably go out for dinner somewhere uh with my wife and get like a nice dinner and then come back home and go to work you know that's at the end of the day that's what i enjoy doing so what about you so,
2: Terrence? i'm getting a medium strawberry frosty and i'm not using a coupon paying full price <laughs> uh sorry so
1: there you go that's,
2: that's tearing me up <laughs> and and then I'm going to go back and write two awesome chapters. That's what I'm, that's how it's going to go.
0: While you're, while you're high on frosty sugar.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. While I'm riding that sugar high. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, we- that,
0: is, that is the best answer I think we've ever gotten. And we've been doing these dragon award interviews for three years now.
3: Um, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. You should, uh, you should hear Terry when I tell him like how the book is ranking like a new release or something. He's was like, Oh, we hit the top 100 in the store. He's like, uh, He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go get me a, a Happy Meal. <laughs> or, I'm gonna go get me. I'm gonna go get me a, a McDonald's meal, and this time I'm gonna exercise the the fries or super the fries." He just says that some is, dumb shit like that.
1: That is so Terry. He is so down to earth.
3: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, what motivates us, you know, it's like that stuff's awesome, and it just motivates us to uh, just do more work because. When, when you're when you're selling really well and people are messaging you and you're up for an award or you win an award hopefully, uh, at the end of the day it's just like man I want to give these people more content I want to do even better with the next one and I think that makes you want to sit down put your butt in the chair and work you know like this we could have done anything in life and we chose to just make you know make up stories and hope that people like them enough to pay us. So, as long as that's true, we'll keep doing it.
0: So, Carrie, since you're not using the coupon, if you win, can I have it?
2: Uh, actually, I, <clears throat> I'd i love to do that, but I can't because my birthday is Monday and uh, I've got plans for that coupon, just not for the award. So, if Jeff and I win this award, this is my birthday. This is my 54th birthday present to myself to write you know, to be a part of Backyard Starship. So I'm, I'm tragically for you, I'm going to have to have that coupon, uh, but I'll ask around and see what I can do. And I'll get All back right, to because
0: I, I might have to change my vote now. Jeez.
1: You already <laughs> voted. Whatevers.
0: All right, Doc, <laughs> next so question so is yours while Where I cry into my beer.
1: Here, shut up. Where are you going to put the award?
3: Right behind my uh, Right behind my desk on the bookshelf. We don't get
0: two. <laughs> well, actually, you have to arm wrestle him on stage to see who gets to take the award uh, home. All there all all can all 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 be right. the only one.
1: Where he's going, by default, he gets to keep it.
3: I confirmed that you uh, you both get one because Jason Enspach won one year, and he's a he's another co writer. So I was like, oh, if we win, do we both get one? And he was like, oh yeah, they'll mail it to you know whoever's not there or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's good.
1: Yes, but Terry gets it first.
3: Terry gets it first, he gets to go on stage and uh, congratulate himself, so I'm very excited. No, I got to. I wrote my speech on the back of a CVS
2: receipt, so it's- um...
0: Oh, that's gonna be a long one.
2: (laughs) I know if we win this, I know where it's going. I've got a signed Michael Whalen and a signed Boris Vallejo uh, print, and it's gonna go right in between the two. Oh, I'm jealous of that Whalen. that's pretty cool. It's gorgeous, man, yeah.
0: That is awesome. Are you going to thank the little people in your speech?
2: No, just the small. (laughs) That wasn't leading at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You got to do one of those faux Academy Awards speeches until they get the hook thing and pull you off stage. (laughs) Wait, do they do that, Doc?
1: We do it at the Masquerade and the Page to Stage. It's Stormtroopers at the Masquerade and a Deadpool at the Page to Stage. Nice.
0: Okay, okay. Nice. So uh, we've uh, we've been at this for a little bit, and I know Chaney has some obligations because apparently a real life is a thing. I don't know what that's about, Terry, but one day we'll figure it out. So uh, Chaney, can you tell listeners how they, and viewers how they could find you um, on the Wild Wild Interwebs? And as usual, it will be in the show notes.
3: Yeah, uh, you can join our ever-growing group, Jay and Chaney's Renegade Readers. We have 13,000 members now in there, and um, it is it is a very active group, with a lot of awesome sci-fi readers from all walks of life um one of the uh you know one of the few uh you know non-toxic communities uh places to discuss stuff on social media and uh you can that's probably the best place to interact with us terry is in there every day talking to people you can also find me specifically on jnchaney.com. You can sign up for the newsletter and then reply or email me directly. Uh, if you want, you can, uh, you know, email me at Jay and Cheney at Jay and I respond to every email I get, unless you're a, uh, unless you're a douche, then I don't. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you if you're just email me, if you have questions and stuff, I'll email you right back. Um, and yeah, so those are the three ways.
0: All right. What about you, Terry? How can listeners find you on the wild, wild internet?
2: Sure, come join us at uh, on Jan Cheney's Renegade Readers. That's like I'm in there as as Jeff mentioned every day. I love talking to everybody. Uh, I'm TerryMaggart.com, and um, and you can email me at Terry at TerryMaggart.com because, like Jeff, I believe in. I love having conversations about fandom because uh, you know this is my fifth decade here, sixth decade here, and I love so many different things. So. I try to respond to everything. And uh, to quote my grandfather, never make it hard for people to find you. So, terrymaggert.com
0: uh it's awesome advice and we follow it ourselves so you could find us on twitter at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show you can email the show at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com again blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com all hate mail will go to sesca at blasters and blades podcast.com uh you can join us on facebook where all the shenanigans happen and- well, I mean, you know, you're used to it. People at DragonCon call you all kinds of names.
1: They do. Normally so you are can... Lord and Master. No, I'm kidding.
0: Well, we'll just move on from there before the delusion sets. Uh, You can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. You can find our website at anchor.fm backslash Blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash Blasters dash and dash blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. Uh, coming soon to a website near you. We also own the domain blastersandbladespodcast.com. Uh, Doc was kind enough to purchase it for the show, so whenever she sleeps again after DragonCon, so you know, maybe January, she'll uh, she'll get to trying to make that website happen for us and we appreciate that. Um, and you can also support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley again buy coffee.com backslash author jr handley be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast and i will keep my co-host doc seska and nick garber uh duly caffeinated they will drink until their liver explodes wait does it go to the liver when it's
1: caffeine
0: i don't know i'm not a doctor anyway bring us home doc thank you for
1: we, we broke so your brain time with us do not forget to vote for nick garber the what doc did you do- for Nick Garber the absentee and JR the addle brained? I'm Seska. This was a Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next time. Same place, same great channel, indulging our love of nerd culture, cheesy, vo- cheesy jokes and all things that go boom. And do not forget to vote on the Dragon Award or come see me at Dragon Con because we'll have a Blasters and Blades panel.
0: All right, outstanding. R. Go R. vote, people.